Hello, and welcome to episode five of 35 Minutes with Gabe Malika. We did it, everybody. We've officially rebranded. I think for the sake of simplicity, I'm just going to call the podcast 35 Minutes. But but right now we're in the zone of 35 Minutes with a classmate. The new logo was, of course, by Chris Gersbeck. Work with him. He's lovely and wonderful. Thank you guys for supporting the podcast. I just want to say real quick, if you enjoy this podcast and you enjoy listening to me talk to old classmates and teachers and whomever from your life, the easiest thing you can do, the most surefire way to get more eyeballs on this podcast is to just throw it up in your Instagram stories. From what I found, that's like the easiest way to get eyeballs on it. And people will be like, hey, I want to hear what so-and-so has to say from school. And that's the easiest way to grow it. So if you believe in the podcast and you like it, and I know some of you do, because uh, I've been getting some sweet messages and reviews and stuff like that. Just throw it up in your Instagram stories. I promise it might might not seem like much, but um, it spreads rather quickly. Um, people are wearing a mask because they're afraid of how many people are hearing about 35 minutes with Kate Malika. Maybe that's not why people are wearing a mask. I actually don't know. Last we'll Dr. Fauci. He's definitely going to have a podcast. Okay, I'll digress. Um, today's episode is brought to you by a very special ad I got from my Instagram story when I asked for ads. This ad is says, quote, Gabe Malika is a good, good man. Also visit at Dr. David Walden on Instagram. <laughs> that is from my former college therapist. He also added at the end, also, comma, love yourself, heart emoji. So if that isn't just like a sweet, sweet ad, it's not exactly Kenny Rogers roasters, but Man, is that uh, is that nice to hear? David Walden is a is is a sweet, sweet man. He was my college therapist. He really, in lots of ways, changed my life. He was the first person I really talked to in that way, that I opened up to. And like all good people in my life, is also responsible for this podcast because when you learn more about yourself, you have a better ability to talk to other people. I found so follow Dr. David Walden. That's D R, Doctor. David underscore Walden on Instagram. He reads poems. He gives encouragement. He's really a great follow. He's basically the only person you should follow on Instagram. Uh, besides me, when you're sharing the podcast into your stories. Today's podcast guest is with an internal medicine resident doctor. Uh, the lovely Miss Allison Shen. And it was really great to talk to her. Uh, we talked about it a little bit, but we sort of lived parallel lives in high school. I was a band and theater kid, and she was an orchestra and English and science person. But she's somebody that I always had a lot of respect for. And it's so cool to see her go on to do such an important job during COVID of all times to be a internal medicine resident. Uh, she's, uh, the definition of somebody who's frontline and we have a lot of fun in this conversation talking about everything from medicine to orchestra, to poetry, to, uh, Duke basketball. So I really hope you enjoy it. Uh, thank you for listening. Please share it, uh, on your Instagram stories. That's the easiest, uh, but also throw me five stars and leave a little review. I got another nice review from my buddy, Glenn, that I appreciate a lot. So Keep doing those things. Keep doing you. Things are opening up. Enjoy this uh, this beautiful springtime conversation with Dr. Allison Shen. Hey. Hello, Allison. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Hello, uh, hello, Allison. Hello, Dr. Shen. Uh, how <laughs> you are? How's uh, how's your life going? Are you off for a couple of days? Yeah, actually, um, I am on vacation. Um, Whoa, dream big. Yeah, staycation, because I am studying for the third part of the medical licensing exam. But <laughs> what yeah. a dream. Yeah. How long are you off for? Is it like 24 hours or is it slightly longer than that? No, it's a week. Um, there you go. Yeah. Okay, like like spring break in college. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but kind of the opposite, because instead of like fun or whatever, it's, um, instead of I guess, books. Yeah. Instead of fun, you're probably the only person I'm going to talk to for the next like five days. So great. Well, I'm glad I could break the, uh, <laughs> your vow of silence. Um, and you're in Pittsburgh. Is that right? Yeah. And how is that going? Do you like, do you like Pittsburgh? 
I do. Um, I realized I really like the like mid size American city, like big enough to have professional sports, but like not so big that like you're like, you know, a spec in like, like a big sea of people. Um, but yeah, like yeah, it's a nice place. Yeah. I was supposed to be there probably a year ago, like today. I was just thinking, um, for the Pittsburgh fringe. So it's like big enough to have like a little fringe festival. Right. Um, and like you have like pirates and Steelers yeah. and all that. Have you adopted the pirates? I know you're a Mets fan. Not really. I mean, I went to one game. It's a really nice park. It's beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. no, I have not lost my loyalty to the Mets. So there you go. Despite we we their... stick it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, cool. Well, I'm glad I got to, to talk to you today because I've talked, uh, I guess this is guest number five. Um, and, you know, I didn't think this was going to turn into a high school thing. And in some ways, like, I'm sort of reluctant to do it, but I'm sort of leaning into, like, what people are responding to in true. I'm just, like, trying to sell out as fast as possible. <laughs> like, this this won't be a podcast until, like, Garden City Bistro I'm reading ads for. There you go. Um, but I would like you to think back a little bit um, at some point. But I yes. also just want to say, so yeah. you're currently a – you're a doctor, right? Yes. You're doing doctor things. What you, You're a resident. What is your what is your specialty? Where where are you at in, in life? Yeah. Um, so I am a, I'm a resident. I am a second year resident in internal medicine. Um, so it's a three year program. So I'm like almost two thirds of the way through now, which is terrifying. Um, yeah. Yeah. What happens after resident for the uninformed? Um, it depends. So uh, you can finish your internal medicine residency and practice internal medicine, or you can do a fellowship which is subspecialty training. So um, like cardiology, uh, GI, pulmonology, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Um, me personally, I don't know what I'm doing yet, which is also why it's terrifying. But um, mm. but yeah, uh, most people nowadays do like subspecialty training. So it turns Is in- it as stressful as like the match process? Is it like- Well, so there's, an, there's another match for fellowship. Come as, on. Yes. No, we're done with this. No, 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 no. Yeah. There can't be another match. There is another match. Yes. It's yes. That's so, so can we just talk about the math process? I was just thinking sure. like, it would be so funny if they were like, Gabe, you have to go do Pittsburgh comedy now, you know, get Forever, used to yes. it. You like rank them and they rank you. It's like an old school dance or something. Yeah. I think actually, oh, I think it was called like the, the perfect marriage algorithm is what they called it. Uh, that is a little self-indulgent, yeah, don't you think? Um, yeah. So uh, the, apparently <laughs> the, the people who like uh, revised the algorithm, I think actually like won the Nobel prize for economics though, but. Um, so, okay. So yeah. they're qualified in some sense. Yeah, just... I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of uh, suggestions for like how to f- make it better. Um, but I think not enough organization among people to like make those things turn into policy. Um, so for the moment, we all sort of are at the mercy of where, where we get sent. Of course. Yeah. And then like, you have to like make a life someplace, right? You have to like, you, you better like mid-sized cities. Um, well, it's worse for people who, um, are matching with like a partner because then there's something called the couples match in which you link your list to somebody else's. And then the algorithm like takes each like first choice, first choice for the two people. Then like, if the, they don't get matched to those places, then you go to the second choice and becomes like a whole big thing. Um, yeah. How is this not a Netflix series yet? Uh, it should be. <laughs> yeah. Is there no, I mean, maybe I just, I'm trying to become an executive producer at a thing that shouldn't be, but like, isn't this like sort of compelling drama, like your whole life? Yes. You're going to like live someplace. Yes. Um, and like, if you, if you really want to lean into like the Netflix series things, I mean, like everybody finds out on match day and what most med schools do is have like a match day where everybody goes into your school's auditorium and opens their envelopes at the same time. Um, so like, you know, like everybody sort of having to perform happiness um you, oh, I mean, yeah. most, you usually don't have like you don't have to go um but yeah. most people want to go because like you know you want to be around your friends like people's families come so. that is yeah the perform happiness thing like we can get into but imagine <laughs> even just like where you're going undergrad 
like the letter envelope. Right. Like that would be too much. I mean, I'm my my only analogy. Every all my analogies become like really lame when I talk to interesting people. Cause like Emily Mangus was like, Yeah, when we train, I was like, Oh, when I run like a really slow marathon, like I'm always like comparing it. So like your doctor matching is mm -hmm. like when I worked at summer camp and they're like, here's the reveal of like what age group you're gonna work oh. with. And that was just like just enough for me. I was like, Oh, 16 year old boys, okay, like I can live with that. But like even that, like the stress of like performatively being told where you're gonna live. Uh, even if it's like the beaver cabin or the raccoon cabin was like a little too much for me. Um, oh, that sounds, so does every, I guess every med school does that. They put you in an auditorium and they... I think most of them do, um, or were doing before COVID obviously, but, um, mm -hmm. I, there mm -hmm. are some schools in which like people go up one by one on stage and open their letter on stage. Again, you can opt out of this, but there are some schools where they do that. And I just remember thinking like, why? Yeah. Why would it's like anybody... the sorting hat. Yes. But. Yes. And they like put like a big picture of you and like your, you know, your accomplishments or whatever while you're like opening the letter to determine your life course. Yeah. 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 Not Kansas City, not Kansas City. Right. And I, uh, yeah. Wow. OK. Nothing yeah. against either Kansas City, I guess. Um, <laughs> but they were they were slithering, slithering in my head. Um, OK. And so you're doing internal medicine. So I have one friend. Uh, my friend Brandon is a is a bone doctor. And while I understand that COVID, <laughs> if you get it, hurts everywhere. He's he's not the most useful person to talk to in terms of like, hey, like, what is it like minute to minute dealing with like your internal medicine? I, from what I understand, COVID goes inside. Um, can you tell me a little bit um, about like just like what this year has been like? And then maybe we can backtrack and talk about like high school orchestra or whatever. Um, yeah. So actually, it's funny. I am end up not being the best resident to talk to about what it's like to manage COVID patients because here uh, they tried to keep it so that most of the COVID patients were taken care of by attendings, except in the ICU where that just was not possible. Sure. Um, for reason, not because they thought the residents couldn't do it, but for reasons of there are so many of us that if like, if we were to get sick, we would take out like the workforce of three hospitals. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So I... I, I minute to minute. So I guess the most of what I saw was in the ICU uh, back in April of last year. Mm -hmm. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh had uh, like a smaller surge as compared to like a lot of large cities, like especially Manhattan. But um, we had a lot of cases coming in from nursing homes and they'd be in like the isolation rooms. Um, so we had like a floor of negative pressure rooms um, and as an intern, the policy at that time, I was, so I was an intern, the policy was I was not actually allowed to go into those rooms. So the, the, the doors and the windows were all glass. So I could like see the patient that I was responsible for, but then the fellow and the attending would go in and examine them. And then I would be like standing outside looking at the ventilator because they had like the ventilator tubing under the door and the ventilator outside. And then I'd be like scribbling down the ventilator settings and being like, okay, well, I think the fellow is going to want to do this to his peep or whatever. Uh -huh. Um, and I'd be like staring through the door at the patient um, and still like having to call their family and be like, you know, this is what's going on. Um, yeah. But not actually like physically touch. It was a very weird thing. The thing that jumps out at me in that is that, like, even if you're not like physically like touching them, like calling the families is like the thing, right? Like that's yeah. why they pay you the big bucks. Like you're the, you're the one to communicate complicated controversial yeah. zeitgeisty stuff. Um, and when you got into this, there was no pandemic. Yes. Right. So like, can you even picture like what your brain was like when you started like internal medicine, like, right. Like, like where you were then, I it, guess is no, sort exactly. of my question. I mean, cause when you start like the joke, the joke they always make is like the first day, don't forget to introduce yourself as doctor, you know, because mm. you've spent four years saying like, hi, I'm the med student. Um, I'm here to press on your belly or whatever. And then like the first, the first day, actually, I remember very distinctly the first patient I ever saw as like a doctor, I had to stop and be like, Hey, Oh, I'm Dr. Shen. Um, nice. So nice. Comedians have the opposite problem where they do one open mic and they're like, I'm a comedian, New York city's <laughs> finest cities all over the stage. So, uh, the imposter syndrome is actually like the opposite. Um, mm. but, um, not that you have imposter syndrome worse than anyone oh, else. No. Um, <laughs> but you did introduce yourself as Dr. Shen. You, you yes, overcame I that. Did, I did overcome that. And by, by the time COVID came. So as interns were, it was sort of the part of the year we were all like, well, we still feel 
like we don't really know what we're doing, but we sort of like have a sense of what to do a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so like you're sort of hitting your stride as an intern and then the level of difficulty gets up to like, you know, 10 times. Um, Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, now you're just going to be prepared for the rest of your life, right? Like, well, it won't be as bad as the global pandemic, right? I mean, like, one I mean, knock on wood, Yeah, right? one hopes, exactly. Um, yeah. But, yeah, and like, this is like your, I guess, your sophomore year of being a doctor, right? Right, right, yeah. Um, they do say the sophomore slump, uh, <laughs> just not accounting for global uh, terror. Um, okay, well, I can, I, I have more, I guess, COVID slash, like, doctor things later, but um, let's talk about fun stuff. So, um um, we went to high school together. Uh, um, and in high school, it felt like to me now thinking about it, it's like, oh, we sort of live like these like parallel lives where it's like you were an orchestra and like doing like writing poetry stuff. And I was sort of just like band, choir, uh, plays. And like I was thinking about this today about how in high school, like freshman year, everyone's like terrified and like no one wants to like be looked at. And I, I wore a lot of sweatpants. And then slowly over the course of high school, like your class, hopefully in some ways, gets like closer and closer and closer because mm-hmm. like it's like this, um, it's like trauma bonding because we're all going to go off and we're never going to see each other again. If we don't become friends now, um, it'll be too late. So um, I'm curious, like what stands out for you in high school? Like what you remember, what are like the, the fine pints? Because you were like our poet laureate and the violin player. And yeah, like what, what mattered to you then, I guess, is my question. Um, I mean, you sort of named it like orchestra um, and writing and science, which, yeah. um, Of course. uh, I guess, yeah, those were the things. And I mean, like in terms of like parallel paths, it's, it's funny. I was thinking about how like, for all that I was not, you know, I didn't do band, I didn't do chorus or anything. Like my social life kind of revolved around like the schedule of marching band because most of my friends <laughs> were in it. So I'd be like, oh no, I can't ha- hang out because we have like competition. Um, yeah, the we, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a, a sports team, a very, yeah. Yeah, um, but I mean, music for sure. Um, that that yeah. was that was big for me. Yeah, you were, a, did you play violin like as a, as a kid, obviously, right? You took it up. Mm-hmm. Do you remember how old? Did you take it up in school? No, I actually, this is going to sound bad. I started when I was three and a half. Um, cool. Yeah. Uh, so it was like, you know, parents wanting to like, you know, see if their kid took to an instrument. Um, of and course. I, and I did. Um, and of course, like for most, uh, until I got to like middle school, most of it was just like me sawing away terribly. Yeah, um, of course. And then... Uh, started getting better probably around middle school. Um, a lot of that had to do with Mrs. Galata particularly. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Our famed yes, or, or six who, through 12 orchestra teacher. I believe teacher. she is still there. That's, I, I was, yeah, yeah. Plugging away, Eleanor Rigby, yeah. Yeah, oh, you remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. I, love, you guys I love that one. Played orchestra. It's great, I mean, yeah. the strings shine. Yeah. Um, yeah, she was like our only, I guess, one of the only teachers that had one had been there a long time, but you would, ha- if you had orchestra in sixth grade, you would also have her in 12th grade. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, so like you were a different person, off. right? By the time you got through. Yeah, no, for, for real though. Like I, I, for me, I like just growing up, like a lot of that I did in orchestra class. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So were, were you a Suzuki kid? Yes, I was a Suzuki kid. Yes. Okay. For, for the uninitiated, I'm cool. So I know what that means, but for the uninitiated listening, can you, can you explain the Suzuki um, method? It's, uh, it's a method, uh, developed by this teacher, famous teacher, Dr. Suzuki. Um, and you go through books, um, that get progressively harder. Um, so like you start out, the thing everybody starts out with is twinkle, twinkle, little star, um, and then I don't know how many books there were at, at some point I stopped being a Suzuki kid in high school, but I, I went mm-hmm. through probably like book six or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a lot of like repetition with like someone like a, an adult playing, right? Like a parent or something. Yeah. Is that part of it too? Uh, sometimes a parent. Um, but a lot of times like there were group classes. So when I first started as like a little, little kid, I was in group classes where it'd be like mm. me and a couple of their, you know, like five-year-olds, um, kind of play twinkle twinkle little star yeah um and there's a lot of there's a lot of like playing with your teacher which is nice mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in a group setting, and i guess like the thing that maybe maybe i'm being educated on this in real time but like the thing that i always like pictured when somebody was like oh especially in college when they were like oh i was a suzuki kid was like like it's a lot of like 
look at me do this thing now you do this exact same thing yeah um yeah monkey see monkey do kind of stuff a little bit yeah okay and then i guess one of my other questions just like and this is one that i've like been meaning to I, I wish i had more continuity between episodes where i'm like oh it'd be cool to ask like the same people like the same questions but one that i've been thinking about a lot um that i've sort of like been weaving in and out of but never like particularly asked them would be like how did you see yourself as a as a high school student like what was your in your own mind like what how did you yeah well how did you perceive yourself what was your deal um just like nerd um <laughs> or, or like like Orc dork is the very embarrassing term that, like, my friends in uh, orchestra, the other orchestra I was in, sometimes used. But um, orc dork, that's yeah, great. Yeah, it's it's. I'm not proud of that. But um, yeah, no, very much like nerd, right? Like, I was doing a lot of bad poetry writing, and then um, doing a lot of science and pretending like I understood what science research actually was, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and then like playing in orchestra. Um, you know, did, did not see myself as cool. Not that it, I don't think particularly bothered me, but it was very much like not cool and okay with it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, and the orchestra was sort of its own thing yes, from what, like, yes, it was like it was a real, silent. yeah. What was with, <laughs> can you, can you go back and visit that? Like what I was with know. that? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Cause they're really, I guess there were some people in orchestra who also did chorus, but there really wasn't a lot of overlap. And I mean, part of it is like, it doesn't take as well to uh, like performing in different locations. Like I remember when we played at Disney, Mrs. Glotta was really worried about how we would sound. Cause like outdoors strings like that, that can be really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And like, you know, we didn't have the portability of like marching band or like chorus. I mean, I remember yeah. chamber orchestra, we would before concerts, like sometimes play outside the auditorium. Um, mm-hmm. And I think we played in like a nursing home a couple of times, but uh, it's not part of it. I think it's not as portable. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that makes like a lot the of bass, sense. Like like I remember like the bass players like always having their like shut their instruments. That was always hard. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely didn't Yeah, it's funny to think about like like marching band obviously very portable. You can like march down Disney and play. Um but you guys like the weather really impacts strings mm-hmm. too, right? Mm-hmm. Like I know uh, brass instruments and some band instruments yeah, also. Yeah. yeah. But um like the stringness of it all they're also not as loud. So it's like you can't just like right go up in some amphitheater in Disney and like like blow the doors off the place yeah. because it's there's I, subtlety required. I think it was always Mrs. Galata's goal to like blow the doors off the place though because I remember <laughs> when we would do Hallelujah Chorus like that would the, like that was one of the only times where we collaborated like she'd always we would have the mutes on for rehearsal and then during the concert she'd be like just take the mutes off just take the mutes <laughs> off um, yeah yeah that was a fun tradition our high school had where they would play the Hallelujah Chorus yeah um uh for every i haven't got i guess i haven't gone back because i um uh don't want to but now <laughs> post covid it might be nice to like go see the high school do the college course because then all the alumni stand up and they sing mm-hmm. and like rip out that tenor part <laughs> um cool yeah i guess like so one of the other things that is sort of interesting about you is that like some people become doctors and they were just like um I do science and I'm going to better the world. And like, this is like the one thing that like I was made to do. And like, you seem to have these disparate like interests. Like even when I was listing, like, how do I remember you? It wasn't, it wasn't even science. Obviously you're doing science. Um, but the things I remember, are like the poetry and the orchestra. Um, can you talk a little bit about one, just like what poetry you like? Maybe we'll start there. Um, like liked in high school and then like, like now, I guess. Probably a lot of Yates. I mean, we read a lot of Yates in Mr. Rebellini's class um, and I still love Yates. Um, mm-hmm. So that um, just like Emily Tedisco always was writing these beautiful things. Like it's, it's, it, it sounds weird to say, like Emily, I was yeah. a fan of like my, one of my best friends, but like, yeah. 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 She's great. Um, what else? Like T.S. Eliot, which we also read a lot of in Reb's class. I feel like a lot of my taste in high school was just like AP English yeah, um, yeah, uh, 11th grade or 12th grade. We read beautiful stuff, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, I feel like I missed out on a lot of my high school English education in that I was so distracted by, like, everything else going on where I'm, it was only in college when, like, I really, like, sat down and was like, oh, I am getting these English assignments. I, like, have the time now to, like, breathe a little bit um, and, like, really, like, pick apart this poem. 
Um, did you do, did you continue to, so obviously you were some sort of science in college, um, but did you continue to do some English stuff too? Yeah. Well, so I majored in English in college. Um, and, and you then, were one of those English and then pre-med yeah. also kind of people. Oh, exactly. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Um, yeah. So that was my primary major. Like I picked up a bio minor because I was doing pre-med coursework, but um, yeah, that was, that was my primary major. Um, Hell yeah. So I did that. Um, and in uh, med school, we had a literary magazine that I co-edited with one of my friends, um, which was a lot of fun. Nice. Um, yeah. And you asked about like poets I like now. Um, uh, Ada Limon is a poet I really love. Um, and there's there's a poem of hers that I like give to all the med students when I'm like senioring on floors. Uh-huh. Um, just because to me, it like reminds me of like what it looks like for patients to get better. Mm, um, is it long? No. How long is it? No. Would you read it? Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, Actually, this is going to sound, I have a copy of it behind my computer because. Of course you do. Yeah. Hell yeah. I wrote to her, um, because I was thinking about it a lot in the beginning of COVID. Um, and just like, it meant a lot to me and like thinking about what it's like to, to, when patients actually do get better. Um, and actually, uh, this isn't going to matter for your listeners, but like she sent, she sent me like, um, a copy of it, which is really nice. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I can read it. Um, it's called Instructions on Not Giving Up. Um, Beautiful. So, uh, more than the fuchsia funnels breaking out of the crab apple tree, more than the neighbor's almost obscene display of cherry limbs shoving their cotton candy colored blossoms to the slate sky of spring rains. It's the greening of the trees that really gets to me. When all the shock of white and taffy the world's baubles and trinkets leave the pavement strewn with the confetti of aftermath. The leaves come patient plodding a green skin growing over whatever winter did to us, a return to the strange idea of continuous living despite the mess of us, the hurt, the empty fine. Then I'll take it. The tree seems to say a new slick leaf unfurling like a fist to an open palm. I'll take it all. Wow. Thank you so much. And who's that by? Uh, Ada Limon. Ada Limon? Yeah. Her name? Yeah. Cool. I'll make sure to link to it. That was beautiful. Thank you so much for uh, indulging me. I oh, no, really... of course. I love that poem. <laughs> cool. Cool. Um, I, uh, you know, I try not to plot beat by beat of like everything we're going to talk about, but I was like, oh, poems might be fun. And I was like, I'm glad it wasn't a long one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like, yeah, it's like Paradise Lost level. Yeah, like, or like the Wasteland. Yeah, just going to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or just like, yeah. Um, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, well, thank you for sharing. That was beautiful. And I guess, when did you first hear that poem? Um, I was in med school, I think. So she wrote it. I, I think I saw it like when she first published, it was like 2015. It was like a poem of the day on like poetry.com or whatever. And, um, Mm. or poets.org or something. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, it was, I was on my psychiatry rotation and it was like, uh, April, like March, April in Rochester, which is like just the middle of winter maybe. Um, (laughs) and so, you know, I'd be like sitting in my apartment and just it's cold and it's blustery and I'm like, everybody's sick and I'm so sad. And then I read that and I was like, oh, well, like, yes, but like, you know, this is when you do watch somebody get better, like you see in that case, it was psychiatry. Like you see their like brain, like turn on again, really. Mm. Um, and it was just so cool to start seeing people like come alive again. Yeah, especially at a time of the year when yes. the world is about to come alive again, too. Exactly. Um, oh, that's really beautiful. Oh, I'm so glad I asked. Um, I'm so glad I was just a little... You have to be a little nosy to, to do... I wouldn't say this is a job yet, but uh, to, to do this uh, podcast. Um, oh, yeah, that's that's lovely. Um, and I imagine you're really busy right now. It's probably hard to find time to like write and read poetry. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a like a writing, a Zoom writing class that this uh, journalist out at Stanford, like their medical humanity center does that sometimes I try to join on the weekends. Um, they'll do it like for an hour. Um, so sometimes that's how I get my writing in, but otherwise I, yeah, writing is, uh, not, not, not really a thing that's happening a lot right now. Of course. I mean, like I've had a lot of time and it's allegedly what I'm 
going to do with my life is continue to write. And it's been really freaking hard. Um, it's uh, especially like performing live. Like when you don't have that thing to be like, it's time. Like you got to like jump off the cliff and hope you can fly. Um, that my brain just like, I can't fake it. Like I can't do the zoom show thing um, because it seems so impersonal and um, uh uh, fake <laughs> for lack of a better word. Um, but we're at that time of the year now where things are getting better. Um, and so, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to carry that poem with me. That's a good one. Um, okay, cool. So what are you, um, like as a, as an internal medicine person, um, do you find yourself even without COVID, do you find yourself like becoming more sure of yourself in terms of like, I'm Allison Shen, the doctor. Like, do you have, do you hesitate anymore? Or do you just like go right for it? You're ready to go. No, I, I mean, I still hesitate like all of the time. I, I do sure. see how I've gotten, gotten better for sure. Mm. Like I had a moment in clinic like a month or two ago where, so basically uh, as a resident, um, when you're, when you're a primary care doctor, cause that's what we do part of the time. Like you go see the patient, you decide what you want to do. And then you have to go like, tell your attending, like, Hey, I want to do X, Y, and Z. And then they'll be like, okay, that sounds good. Or like, maybe you should do this one other test or whatever. And then sometimes depending on what kind of visit is, they have to go back with you and like see the patient and like, make sure that they like are that like the, the things wrong with them are the things that you said were wrong with them. Sure. Um, but, uh, I had this moment in clinic where I was like, I, I would, I was telling my preceptors like, Oh, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And like, I'm going to see them back in whatever. And they'd be like, great. Sounds good. Go see, you know, go, go tell, go finish your visit. And I was like, Oh, wow. Like I'm actually, I'm, I'm doing it. Mm. Um, yeah. What a satisfying moment. Yeah. Like they're, um, not nonchalant, their acceptance of your statement, right? Mm -hmm. um, Which I mean, they, most of the time they do like, like the, the system works, even as an intern, like I would say like a lot of silly stuff that was sort of off base, but like close enough, they'd be like, well, like, yes, just do this one other thing. So it, it's not, it's not like I was saying all the wrong things before and now I'm saying all the right things, but it's sort of like them having nothing to add. Mm, that's a, that's cool. Mm -hmm. That's cool. And it's, it's fun to hear. It's so funny. There are certain phrases you expect to hear when you talk to a relatively new in the, sc in the scope of time doctor. One of them is not the system works. Um, and I know oh, you're well. particularly talking to about like um, the dynamic of like learning and diagnosing mm -hmm. people. Right. But it, even just that is like an encouraging thing because I think, right. We talk about like all the things that are wrong with the system mm -hmm. and I'm sure like we could dive into that if we so chose. Um, but yeah. Would you, is it like the, the dynamic of, um, of being close, like being close is good. It's not like, uh, everyone has to be like this, like sharpshooter hundred out of hundred out of everything. I, I still make a lot of mistakes. Um, and sure. like, that's, that's, that's why it's residency. Like that's why you people, uh, mm. and but, that's accounted for in the system. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's, that's why you always have to like staff your patients with the attending. That's why they're like, or, you know, if you're in the ICU, there's like an ICU fellow plus the attendant, like there's, there's always backup. That's, that's the point. And that's, mm. um, and so that part of it work, I mean, yes, like to your point, a lot of the system does not work, but that, that part does. Um, yeah, but I do, I guess it is a little bit more being precise, like, whereas, so as an intern, I might've been like, if the patient came in septic, I would be like, okay, well, I know they need some amount of fluid and I know they need some kind of antibiotic, um, and like, I know I need to get a certain set of labs somewhere, but now it's like, okay, well, first we're going to draw the blood cultures and then we're going to give like cefepime and then we're going to give like, you know, however much fluid for their body weight or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's like a little bit like refining, like where, whereas when you start, you're sort of like, well, I know the things I was taught in med school. Like I know theoretically what should happen here. I just don't know exactly how to like logistically make that happen now it's like okay logistically i know how to make those things happen and specifically like what in what order mm, mm, that's really satisfying i was talking to eric Leonardo in my last episode and he was just like this is my seventh year of college did you have any break between all your school did you just go straight through no i took a year so i graduated um i graduated college and then i took a year to just do like research at a plastic surgery practice um in, on in garden city 
um, just to like oh, nice. be with, Shout out. yeah, just to like be with my parents and like take a break. I was a little bit burned out towards the end of college, um, and that helped yeah. a lot. Um, and then and then went to med school after that year. I had classmates who took like multiple years out or like were other yeah. careers entirely before going to med school. And I think that's becoming mm-hmm. more of the norm now. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. That perspective. I just read a book. Have you heard of this book called range? It's this guy, David Epstein. Mm-hmm. And it's basically the argument for, and it speaks to like orchestra and poetry and all the things that you enjoy too. But it's, 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 it's this book about that basically disproves the 10,000 hours rule mm. and argues in favor of people with disparate interests um, come up with wacky solutions that like we need. And it's like provable. Mm. Um, meaning like if you have one of the examples he uses is like, if you need brain surgery, you want five brain surgeons. But if you want to figure out like what's going on with um, this like weird, obscure engineering problem, you want one civil engineer, a chemist, a musician, mm. uh, somebody else, because those five people will come together and like be able to like figure it, maybe not the guitarist, but like five different types of science thinkers or five different types of academics um, to solve problems. So that's sort of, um, yeah, I think, I think having, I mean, from my experience too, like having gone to college with people who became doctors, like some of them were like, I'm an EMT and I'm going to be a doctor. And like, this is all I've ever known. And like, this is a blood pressure. <laughs> and I think it's important just like, cause there's a real human part to your job too, right? Like you're talking to people, some of whom um, uh, require different types of communication, right? Um, is that something, how's that going? Like, just like talking to people. Cause sometimes you talk about do you ever talk about stuff that's not medical with these people? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Is that a big part of it? Do you guys, it's, you guys it's podcast? It's a giant part of it, but like, it is part of it. And I think the whole, the whole thing like that I love about my job is like, it's stories, right? Like it's somebody comes mm. and tells you a story of their illness and your job is to do sort of what we were doing in like high school English, which is like pick out the parts of it that you need to like, that need to come to the forefront that you need to pay attention to and then make your diagnosis based on that. So like for me, like that's one like story thing about it that I like. And then the other part is like people's lives. Like they tell you all these things about their lives that they might not tell other people. Um, And like your job is to sort of like hold that and try and figure out how to treat them in a way that's consistent with what's important to them. Like, um, I think about this a lot in terms of palliative care, which is one of the things I'm interested in, but like you're, you're trying to figure out, we have like X, Y, and Z kinds of treatments that we can do for somebody. Like what does it make sense to do based on like what matters to this person? So yeah, like a lot of the time it is important for me to know that they have like five kids or like that, you know, that they love to play golf or I don't like something like that seems true, but like, it's important for me to understand about their lives. Cause like, that's how you put it all together. That's fascinating. Yeah. That's, um, that's incredible. Yeah. I mean, it makes me think of just like in my life, the times when I've been at the doctor and I feel like I'm rambling and I'm like, well, it only hurt like when I did this thing, but like when I tried this other thing, like, and I always feel like I'm like, am I sharing too much? Like, am I crazy? Do they think I'm like an insane person? And, um, I guess a good doctor listens, right? Like to everything, uh, not exactly. It's not always going to be like Dr. House, right? Like where it's like, Oh, it's like the plant at home that's causing this. But, um, yeah, it's interesting to hear that those things matter. Yeah. I think a lot of times like blood pressure guy from college might be like, well, we have to like stop the whatever without the other context, without the context of like who this person is and what they value. Yeah, well, it's like you ultimately like my my job is like, yes, to use science to like help somebody get better or whatever. But like the communication aspect of it, like trying to explain to them like, well, this is why we're doing this. And this is why, like, I'm hoping that you'll buy into this plan I have. Like, that's, Mm. that's important too. Like in medicine, you call it the therapeutic alliance. Like when you sort of partner with somebody and like move forward together to like put them on the path toward wellness, um, like that, that's, that's the job. And like in medicine, what we know is that most of the diagnosis is actually based on the history. Most of the time, like a lot of the time you're going to have to get a lot of tests and things to confirm. But most of the time when somebody tells you the story, 
it's going to narrow it down pretty quick. And then mm. like you're using, you're using your data, the data that you then gather to like confirm one of those things. But most of the time you can actually kind of figure out what's going on just by virtue of what somebody's telling you. So it's all in the story. And that's why I was saying like picking out the parts that are important, the things yeah. that we were taught in high school English, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's what I'm doing all day. That's kind of part of why I love my job. Yeah. So Yeah. That's, that's incredible. Um, what an explanation. I, I'm glad we, we went back to, to medicine. Um, my other question was, so you went to Duke undergrad. Um, can you tell me about the basketball game? <laughs> Which basketball game or just basketball in general? Just like, yeah. Just like being, yeah. Because like as a kid, it was like, Oh, you know, Cameron indoor, everyone's going crazy. And as a kid, I remember also seeing like, Oh, that's the grad student section. Like the grad <laughs> students are going crazy. And now as an adult, I'm like, it's not like a little weird. <laughs> like They're like 25 and they're like shirtless or whatever. Um, can you tell me what was that was like as an undergrad? And who are your teams? Who, who was on the team from 10 to 14? Um, so we, uh, let's see. So when I was a freshman, uh, Kyrie Irving, yeah, he injured his foot. Um, and so there was like, a, I remember there was like a meme that you're like, save Kyrie's toe. Um, <laughs> one of my best friends uh, from Duke actually like played pickup basketball with him once and like he'll, yeah, yeah. So um, that- On this flat earth that we live on. Right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah, so that was that team and like Nolan Smith was still there. Um, Nolan Smith, yeah. yeah, I liked him. Um, so that was that team. And then let's see sophomore junior it was like ryan kelly and like the Plumleys, like My- yeah, so miles they, they, graduated and then there's mason and then uh Marshall. god they just kept coming <laughs> didn't they yeah yeah um yeah no my favorite game i went to i think it was a junior and ryan kelly had been injured and he came back it was against miami i think i want to say uh-huh. he came back and he hit like like three threes in a row like coming like coming out to start and this it like exploded in there. It was so cool. <laughs> um, but yeah. And then uh, senior year, who was on it senior year? Was that Jaleel Okafor? I can't, or was that the year after? I can't remember. Um, Jaleel Okafor sounds about right. Yeah. That around that time I was, so I was the unlucky class where they, they won, <laughs> they won a championship in 2010 then they won it in 2015 and between the uh, times. Yeah. So like everybody else <laughs> I went to school with below me, above me. <laughs> literally everyone else you went to school with. That's so funny. Yeah. Um, but we did, we did, did beat Carolina most of the time that I was there. So that was fun. Um, yeah. And I, I oh, tented, that's... I tented for three years. So that was, that was fun. Can you explain tenting? I, 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 I'm a basketball fan, but did that mean you slept in a tent yes. at some point? So I don't know, like when, <laughs> when they show the Carolina game, you know how sometimes they'll show uh, the outside of Cameron indoor and there's like all those tents outside. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So for the Carolina game, it's like incre- as increasingly as I've like gotten past college, I'm like, wow, that's a really silly thing to do. But basically like <laughs> for the, the Carolina game at Cameron, um, you have groups of students who agree to live in a tent for, uh, I don't know, it's, I think it's up to six weeks, depending. It's basically from when the spring semester starts to whenever the home Carolina game is. And uh, at least one person has to be in the tent at all. T- There's like, it's more complicated than that. But basically, generally speaking, one person has to be in the tent at all times and then like a certain amount above that at night. And they'll do like tent checks. So at like three in the morning, they'll like blare like bullhorns and you have to get out and like report that, yes, you were here for like tent 97. Um, wow. Yeah. Okay. Was, so you guys take your, yeah. Yeah. It was a lot. It was fun. And now thinking about like COVID, I'm just like, I, they, they used to joke about like the Kville flu because everybody like people would get sick and it would go around Kville. Um, of course. Shashevsky, yeah. Shashevsky. Yes, yes, yes. Coach um, K, of course. Yeah. So, uh, so that was fun. Um, yeah, that'll be the last thing to come back from COVID. I think the last, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> even though it's outdoors, it still feels like. Yeah. No, no, no. It's, 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 yeah. Not great. It's that and like Occupy Wall Street um, <laughs> will be the last two things to come back. Um, okay, cool. Well, I'm glad I asked about that because wow, did I boy did I learn? Um, and I'm sorry that you were in that that <laughs> one class, the, the 14th. You should have done worse in school, Allison. Yeah, you probably just, could have seen yeah. a uh, or really good. You could have skipped a year um, in high school. Um, yeah, that's um, 
That's exciting. Yeah, Hamilton had uh, we won one football game in my entire <laughs> four years, and the most exciting basketball thing we had was um, <laughs> Jeremy Lin's brother oh. played in our school, and I met him once. God, I think I met him at like church. I just like went to church nice. for some reason, and you know, this like five eight Asian guy, and I introduced myself and said hello, and I was like, oh, like what are you? Like, what do you do? And he's like, I'm on the basketball team. And I was like, <laughs> okay. And then three weeks later, like Lynn Sanity happens. Of course. And they're like, oh yeah, that's Jeremy Lynn's brother. And I was just like, <laughs> what? Like, like, I just talked to him. We were at church together. Um, and Jeremy Lynn came up during Lynn Sanity and like sat with our head of security as if anyone oh, was going to bother him in like Clinton, New York. Um, but for us, it's like a, an A-list uh, celebrity. And my friend Noah, who's God, he's listening. Um, asked him to play pickup basketball with us once and we're, we're on the other side of the gym and he's like getting a workout and shooting threes and i believe his answer was no <laughs> <laughs> and so i think about that a lot too um but it would have been cool it would have been uh, mm-hmm. i'm glad he asked honestly you got to shoot your shot yeah um quite literally um all right allison we're getting to my um uh my only real segment of this show which is the fill in the blanks section uh the first one was my favorite poem but we already got that one um is blank so uh the key to a long shift in the hospital is blank food um snacks tell me about (laughs) just like i asked emily mangas tell me about your snack options choices Um, preferences i i guess it depends on if i'm in the mood for like garbage or like things like less garbage most of the time i go for garbage to be honest um yeah yeah. So the cafeteria, our cafeteria, I think usually at Presby, it's open to like three um, and the chicken tenders are usually what I go for at like <sighs> two in the morning. If it's, if I'm on a 28, um, 28 hours. Yes. 28 hours. Um, yes. <laughs> I mean, that's longer than that, a day. That's I, part of the system that doesn't work. Um, okay. <laughs> you don't yeah. say, um, and you're making like really important decisions, yes. right? Talk about you were the tent <laughs> stuff prepared you. That's like, it's like hazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it depends. Some shifts, my words, not yours. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Some shifts, depending on where you are, you can get some sleep. Um, sometimes you can't depending on where you are and how sick people are. Um, Mm. I mean, like there's, there's, there's always backup, at least some institutions there may not, but like where I am, there's, there's always other people you can like call for help, which I have done not infrequently um, for patient safety but um yeah it's a thing we do i surgery a lot of the surgical subspecialties honestly they have it worse they will do more uh more calls that doesn't necessarily mean it's a good idea but sure and then are cutting somebody open right um hopefully not i mean i i think they have like rules about at what point you are allowed to to operate on somebody but i actually do not know yeah, um, yeah, that that um, I'm sure they I'm sure they could be better. Um, I'll I'll leave it at that. Okay, I mean, and, okay. Yeah. So chicken tenders. So chicken. Do you have a sauce preference? We're getting to the really heavy um, hitting questions now. What like I don't know, like whatever barbecue sauce they have there, I guess. So. Oh man, um, one day we'll all be back at City Field. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> this is such a mean question to ask um, as a fill in the blank. But now that the height of the pandemic is over, blank needs to be fixed in American medicine. Oh, uh, sexism in academia and medical racism. Hell yeah. yeah. It's, 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 <laughs> I feel like this is like my f- like third guess that it's like gone right to like the problem is this and we can <laughs> fix it. Um, sexism and medical racism. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, if I feel like if I start talking about this, we may never end. Um, but I will, when we do part two, uh, post pandemic, <laughs> um, we can cover that. Um, Ooh, this is one that I, when I wrote it, I was like, this is a good one. Um, a teacher who showed me kindness in high school was, Oh, do I have to pick just one? Uh, no, no, no. You can list. You semicolon, whatever you need to do. Um, I mean, Mrs. Galata, certainly, um, Mr. Rebellini, Mrs. Fleming, um, Mr. D'Ambrosio, God bless him. Um, Mm. who else? Uh, Senora Nezzi. Um, mm, yeah, she would come to all the plays. Yeah. I, never, I didn't take Spanish, but yeah. Um, 
who else there i mean a lot of them those are those are the ones that come to mind immediately but cool, cool. well i'm sure they'll appreciate a name drop we got to make sure they um uh they get their hands on us um all right, Allison Shen, that's been an hour. Can you can you believe it? I'm really just like betraying the name of the podcast because like we'll we'll never be 35 minutes, especially now that I'm cooking. Um, but thank you for doing this. This was really um, nice to catch up. Yeah, I really thank you appreciate for you coming me. on. Yeah, you're the perfect guest because um, uh, it's like a little bit like uh, I guess like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, where it's like everyone's surprised that I asked, and I'm like, um, that's like a key element in being on the podcast. Um, and being like, yeah, of course. Um, so that's, that's something you have in common with my other four, uh, guests. So thank you for coming, uh, enjoy your week off, study hard. Um, and hopefully I'll be doing the Pittsburgh fringe a year from now. Um, and we can have chicken tenders. It'll be nice. Sounds good. So thank you so much for listening to my conversation with the incredibly talented and kind and interesting Dr. Allison Chen. It was great talking to her. How about that poetry moment? I will link to that below the episode. I will also link to um, some medical things about one of the most interesting parts of that conversation that I found about the importance of story. Allison had a cool link that she sent me and I was like, oh, I'll just throw this at the bottom of the, in the show notes. So uh, check that out. Um, in the spirit of a conversation about poetry and the, the poem that um, that Allison uh, loves, which is linked below, I thought I would share my favorite poem because it's just a nice way to end an episode of a podcast. This is a podcast. Um, excuse me. This is a this is a poem that I uh, that I love a lot. And as soon as I heard it, I knew it was going to be important to me. Um, and it's about all the things that I, that I love. So, um, this is machines. I don't know if it's Michael Donahue or Donahue. It must be Donahue. Machines by Michael Donahue. It's from the year 2000. This is machines. Dearest, note how these two are alike. This harpsichord pavane by Purcell and the racers 12 speed bike. The machinery of grace is always simple. This chrome trapezoid, one wheel connected to another of concentric gears, which Ptolemy dreamt of and Schwinn perfected, is gone. The cyclist, not the cycle, steers. And in the playing, Purcell's chords are played away. So this talk, or touch if I were there, should work its effortless gadgetry of love, like Dante's heaven and melt into the air. If it doesn't, of course, I've fallen. So much is chance. So much agility, desire, and feverish care, as bicyclists and harpsichordists prove, who only by moving can balance, only by balancing move. That's machines. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Share the pod, hug your family, do all the things that you love to do. And we'll see you next week for another episode of 35 Minutes with a Classmate with your pal, Gabe. That's me. See you later, everybody. Mm-hmm.